Well, today on the bottom line, we're going to have a 20-minute conversation about 18 minutes that can change your <laughs> life. Literally, how about that? Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers is with me today, and if you're watching on My Hope Now, you can see that we're both Zooming with each other. Dr. Jeffers, senior pastor of the 15,000-member First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. He's a regular contributor to Fox News. Uh, his daily radio program, Pathway to Victory, heard on more than 1,000 stations nationwide. And let's not forget the television program, which is seen on near, in nearly 200 countries worldwide. Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Well, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Why is it that this time of year, especially, people are kind of going back to the basics? They're, we have to kind of do a kind of a spiritual and political gut check whenever there's an election <laughs> coming up and say, okay, what are the values that really matter to me? But we get a lesson in the things that matter most right from the Lord in the Sermon on the Mount. Talk about what the uh, genesis was for you about this, this book and this uh, study here. Well, you know, it's uh, probably familiar to your audience, the concept of the TED Talks. They're very mm -hmm. popular right oh, now. Yeah. You know, a TED Talk is supposed to be a brief speech by an expert on a topic of great interest. But the rule is it can't be more than 18 minutes in length. Mm, okay. And I had a thought one day, what if Jesus were to come back and give his TED Talk? What would he talk about? And then it hit me, we already have Jesus' TED Talk. It's called the <laughs> Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And, uh, interestingly, you can read the Sermon on the Mount in just 18 minutes. Mm. And yet it's filled with Jesus' teachings about the things, not that he cares about, the things we care about most. Mm. Our money, our sex life, our enemies and how to handle them, our relationship with God, our eternal destiny. And so this book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, is really a fresh look at a 2,000-year-old sermon to show how applicable it is now, perhaps now more than ever. Yeah, boy, that isn't that the truth. Dr. Robert Jeffers with me today here on The Bottom Line. 18 Minutes with Jesus, straight talk from the Savior about things that matter most and the things that matter most. We've got the link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, I like the straight talk approach because there are some people who would say, well, you know, the, the language that the Lord uses is very kind of poetic here, but it's kind of hard for us to understand. Help us understand how how straight this line really is between what Jesus is saying and the things that we behold very dear. It, it isn't super poetic, is it? I mean, it seems like it's, it is very practical, almost Ted Talk like in nature. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I guess it's OK to admit this on your show. I've been preaching for more than 40 years, and I had never done a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Really? And uh, part of the reason was I was afraid it was too boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody <laughs> you know, knows it. I sure. fell sure. into that uh, stereotype of, well, this is just Jesus sitting on the hillside, munching bird seed and saying nice <laughs> things to people. Uh, that's not what the Sermon on the Mount is. There's nothing right. nice about it. Uh -huh. It cuts to the core of what God really expects from us and how we can really live a life that is filled with joy. But the other reason I avoided it was I had heard and learned in seminary that the Sermon on the Mount is the constitution for the future kingdom of God. It's how we're going to treat each other in the millennium or in heaven. And I thought, well, why then should I bother reading it now? And then as I started reading it, I started asking some questions. I mean, who's going to be slapping whom in the kingdom of God? <laughs> Jesus said, if somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. That's right. not going to be happening in heaven. Uh -huh. And what about pray for your enemies? If evil's been vanquished forever, who's going to be our enemies? And I finally understood that the Sermon on the Mount is not for the hereafter. It's for the here and now. And that gave me a great deal of interest and motivation to prepare this series. You know, it's interesting when you talk about adversaries or, you know, your sex life or things of that nature. I have to admit, 
um, in 40 plus years of walking with the Lord, I don't think I've ever heard of the Sermon of the Mount and sex life, you know, in the same sentence. But but now when I see this in your book and read it, I think, okay, that does make a lot of sense. When you see the things that Jesus was speaking to, oftentimes, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about how culturally relevant he always was, right? I mean, yeah. all the parables were right there for everybody sitting on the hill, munching that proverbial bird seed, as it were. <laughs> talk, talk about, is there a balance, Dr. Jeffers, between the two? I mean, you mentioned it's for the here and now, but obviously there are some eternal uh, ramifications of it too. Talk about how cultural this was just for these hearers and how relevant it is for us here 2,000 years later. Well, we tend to, you know, differentiate between the here and now and the hereafter, but really life in our eternity is a continuum that begins right now and goes past death through all eternity. We're all eternal beings. We're all going to live forever. Some will live in heaven. Some will live in hell. But really, we get a running start to heaven or hell in this life. And uh, if we stay on the path we're on when we're born into this world, then we're going to end up in hell. That's the broad way Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way, a different way that leads to heaven. And interestingly, Jesus said, few are those who find it. I'm talking with Dr. Robert Jeffers today here on The Bottom Line. 18 Minutes with Jesus is the brand new book, Straight Talk from the Savior, about the things that matter most. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I find it interesting, Dr. Jeffers, that when you lay it out the way you do, oftentimes I think of things like money and prayer life and church and needs. I kind of wrap them all up into one ball. And you very graciously and lovingly with a hint of exhortation, uh, you know, <laughs> break this all apart for us. Uh, talk about the, the felt need culture that we're in right now. I mean, you, you battled this, I'm sure, as a senior pastor, people saying our worship needs to be, quote unquote, relevant. You know, it has to speak to people to where they are. Uh, talk about how a, a message like this from Jesus, a TED talk, if you will, on the Sermon on the Mount, really kind of helps us to reframe where we need to be instead of saying the church needs to be where we want to be. Right. Well, again, uh, sometimes felt needs are very real needs, and Jesus uh, addresses them. And, uh, you know, the theme of this sermon and the theme of the book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, is those who model, model the attitudes, affections, and actions of Jesus can experience unshakable joy in this life and unending happiness in the next life. You know, Jesus starts off Uh, talking about felt needs, he starts the sermon with a promise of the blessings that will accrue to those who follow these principles. Blessed are those who, and then there are about eight beatitudes that each begin with blessed, blessed, blessed. That word blessed, makarios in Greek, sometimes is translated happy. We, We call them the happy beatitudes or whatever. That's not the best word. You know, the English word happy uh, depends upon happy uh, happenings. Happiness depends upon happenings. It's a very superficial emotion that can come and dissipate very quickly. But there's something else called joy, and joy is the better word, because joy is that deep inward assurance that God is in control of everything that's happening to us. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I doubt the Christians in Florida were very happy about (laughs) Hurricane Ian, but they could be joyful knowing that God was in control and he was working out a great purpose for them. Yeah, they can have that happiness in all things, not because of all things, you know, and I realize 
realize that there have been a lot of people who have been facing, I have a dear friend whose wife's been in the hospital for now today marks her 70th day, just an inexplicable brain tumor showed up out of seemingly mm. out of nowhere. And they're wrestling and they're scrambling, trying to figure out, you know, where is, you know, where is God in all this? And yet they're seeing him, you know, show up yes. in ways that they didn't understand. And, and I think prior to this, and I, and I think that that's the beauty of having this kind of faith that is based on the joy of the Lord, as opposed to the happiness of the moment is that we can really keep seeking his face. One of the things you talk about in this book, uh, 18 Minutes with Jesus, Dr. Jeffers, is you talk about straight talk about your faith. And I would love for you to take a couple of minutes here, if you would, before we break for this uh, first interval, and, and talk about what faith really means. Because I get the sense over the past, let's say, decade, that a lot of people who professed faith in Christ really didn't have faith in Christ. And I don't mean that in a finger-pointing way, but just faith was great, God was good, as long as everything was working the way I wanted it to, you know, and talk about what real faith looks like. Well, that's right, and, you know, um, when we talk about faith, uh, Jesus talked about not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. I mean, that's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, in fact, he said, many will come to me on that judgment day and say, Lord, did we not cast out demons and perform miracles and do many good things in your name? And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Uh, to me, those are some of the most terrifying words in Jesus' entire sermon. The idea that there are many people who are actually going to be surprised on the judgment day when they end up in hell rather than in heaven. And uh, again, I would just say to anybody watching or listening, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is not a list of things you do to get into heaven. Right. Nobody can live by this standard apart from the Holy Spirit of God. There's only one way to heaven, and Jesus talked about it at the end of the sermon. He said it's that narrow way that leads to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Dr. Robert Jeffress, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk for the Savior about the things that matter most. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. When a young mother hears her baby's heartbeat for the first time, everything changes. They know that's a baby. And when you partner with us and Preborn, you let them see the ultrasound image and God takes care of the rest. Roger Marsh here for Preborn, our newest member of the Bottom Line Show family. Preborn is helping women by helping them see their child on the ultrasound, hear that baby's heartbeat for the first time after getting that pregnancy test, and you'd be amazed at the results. So far for the first half of this year, more than 25,000 babies have been saved through Preborn, and 25 ultrasound machines have been placed. Now it costs $28 to provide a free ultrasound for a woman who who's facing an unplanned pregnancy and wondering what to do with the child. We tell her what option number three is in addition to option one and two. Option one, of course, you're a mom. Option two, legally, you can get abortion in some states. But option number three is adoption, and the ultrasound makes option number one or three much more palatable. Call 833-850-BABY right now. Make a $28 donation to save one life. Make a $28 a month donation to save a life each and every month. That's less than a dollar a day. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or click the preborn banner when you go to kbrightradio.com today. Dr. Robert Jeffers is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Jeffers, the senior pastor of the 15,000-member First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. He's a contributor to Fox News. If you've heard him on Pathway to Victory, that's because of that program's on over a thousand stations nationwide. You've seen him on television in a, one of 195 
different countries around the world. He's the author of nearly 30 books, and his latest book has a very provocative title, 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Jeffers, I I didn't ask you going in, but this is kind of becoming a go-to question now for a lot of people just out of curiosity. Um, How did COVID impact your church? How did it impact your family? Was it a a big hit? Maybe not even a blip on the radar? Because I see a lot of churches have had to kind of reconstruct, reconfigure a little bit as a result of uh, the things that happened during the pandemic. How did how did your family and your church hold up during all that? Well, God was very good to us, and uh, there was about seven weeks during uh, the beginning of COVID that we quit in-person worship only to try to be good citizens and sure. do what the city was doing, and we went completely uh, live stream, but it was only for seven weeks. We came back very early and ramped up very early. Uh, we encouraged people during the time to take precautions, sure. but uh, I'm glad we started back up as soon as we did yeah. and kept things going. And the interesting blessing is um, we added hundreds and hundreds of thousands of online viewers who have stuck with us even wow. after the pandemic. That's On great. Easter Sunday of March of 2020, we had a million people watch hmm. our Easter service Fantastic. and 30,000 made professions of faith in Christ. That's so tremendous. God that, bless us. Well, I, I think it's wonderful. And especially we were talking about faith before the uh, break and the straight talk about faith chapter in particular. And how many people I think had their faith shaken, may, maybe tested a little bit during the pandemic. And now that we're out of that pandemic mode. Of course, here in the People's Republic of California, we got a decree (laughs) earlier this week that said the pandemic will officially be over on February 28th, 2023. And I thought, oh, God bless Texas. That's all I could think immediately was we're wide open. Come on down. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I might become one of your online members, if not in person. Um, But let's talk about the faith component, because there are a lot of people who have been calling into question, what does it mean to have faith in Christ? And what does it mean to live that faith out? in the culture right now. Talk about what what Jesus said 2,000 years ago and how it relates to where we are right now. Well, I've had people ask me over the last couple of weeks, how do you think Jesus would evaluate the political scene and what's happening in the culture right now? Mm -hmm. I think without a doubt, Jesus would be fiercely independent. Uh, I don't think he would identify with either party, but I think he would have some interesting things to say to both parties. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us who are Christians, we cannot uh, be isolationists as Christians from the culture. In the Sermon on the Mount, and we talk about this in chapter two of the book, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And you know, in Jesus' day, salt was a preservative. It didn't prevent the decay of meat, but it delayed the decay. It gave the meat a longer shelf life. And uh, I think Jesus is saying uh, one reason he's left us here is to slow down the decay of the culture, if you will, so that we have longer to share the gospel with people. And whatever we can do, we ought to be pushing back against evil. You know, for salt to be effective, it's got to get out of the salt shaker. It's got to penetrate the meat. And uh, I think in the same way, Christians ought to penetrate the political world. Uh, We ought to vote, uh, not for the perfect candidate, but for the one who upholds biblical standards. We ought to get involved in media and in the arts and every area of life. Jesus has called us to be influencers, to push back against evil. You know, it's interesting, Dr. Jeffers, as, as you shared that about, especially in the political realm, I couldn't help but think, I mean, I hear this in my ear now all the time 
of the the leftists in the culture, the progressives, if you will, uh, saying, "Oh, there go those Christian nationalists again," you know, and then how how that's that they're trying to you know make this kind of a MAGA nation, and that's not what I'm hearing you say at all. What I'm hearing oh. you say is engage the culture, not don't try to overtake the culture, if you will. No, look. Uh, I believe our nation was founded on Christian principles. I think that's historically true. And I do not think God's a respecter of people or nations. There's no unconditional deal he's made with America. Right. God's standard for America is God's standard for every nation. And that is any nation that obeys God will be blessed by God. And any nation, including the United States, that rejects God will be rejected by God. But again, I think our reason as Christians, we don't think we're going to bring in the kingdom of God in the voting booth. What we're trying to do is slow down the collapse of this world so that we have longer to share the gospel with people. The only way you're ultimately going to transform America is to transform the hearts of Americans, and that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Dr. Robert Jeffress, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Can we talk a moment about our needs, quote unquote? I mean, we live in a kind of materialistic society. Obviously, we you know buy and sell things and consume things. And I believe that capitalism is God's plan A. I mean, that goes all the way back to the garden. But there are those in the modern culture who might think either it's super minimalist or, hey, let's live extravagantly to the point where we probably both saw the video of the pastor being robbed during a service and they took <laughs> his $300,000 watch or whatever. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what the heck? Um, <laughs> help, help us understand what Jesus is talking about when it talks about our needs. Basic, basic needs, thriving and flourishing needs. How do you interpret that, Dr. Robert Jeffers? Well, you know, one of the chapters in my book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, is straight talk about prayer. And, you know, I hear this debate all the time about prayer. Should we just pray for God's will and God's glory? Or can we pray for selfish requests, you know, things that we need or want and so forth? And people go to two extremes on that. And in the model prayer, and that's what Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, the model prayer, he showed us a balance in how to pray. Yes, we ought to pray that God's name be glorified. Yes, we pray that God's will be done, not only in heaven, but on earth and in our life as well. But it's okay to pray for, quote, selfish things, like our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. He right. wasn't talking about a loaf of bread. He was talking about your day-to-day -day provisions. You ought to pray about that. And by the way, all of us are only a heartbeat away or a stroke away uh, from not being able to earn the money to provide for our families. We need to realize our dependence on God. Pray for protection from evil and so forth. And, you know, when it comes to praying, I quote C.S. Lewis. He said, when we pray, we ought to pray for not what we think should be in our hearts. We ought to pray for what is actually in our hearts. Mm. God already knows our hearts anyway. Prayer is a way to be honest with him boldly ask him for what's in your heart and then quietly trust in his answer to be the best answer. Dr. Robert Jeffers with us today here on The Bottom Line. Great insights and wisdom from his new book, well, from God's Word, but his book based on the Sermon on the Mount. It's called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Dr. Jeffers, you have two whole minutes to talk evangelism here at the end. I hope that's enough. <laughs> um, but seriously, when you talk about the eternal destiny, you brought something up earlier in a conversation I wanted to circle back around to. And that is the fact that I think we're seeing more and more with these pop musicians who are 
deconstructing their faith and you know folks that you would never have expected to you know have an impact for the kingdom all of a sudden are preaching the gospel and we look at scripture and say wow that's that's pretty spot on talk about the eternal destiny that so many of us might have thought about when we were younger when we were making professions of faith and then it's kind of gotten a little dormant it's kind of almost become like well yeah i'm a christian and i'm an american and you know i'm a republican or democrat or whatever but it's it's kind of part of that identity in the past but it's not really who we're living for right now talk about how the sermon on the mount helps us really put that eternal destiny in focus well it reminds us not everybody jesus said in the sermon is going to uh, end up in the same destination. We're all not going to heaven automatically because of our goodness, our grandma or grandpa or whatever else we're trusting in to get us into heaven. And people ask me all the time, you know, are Catholics going to heaven or Jews going to heaven or Baptists going to heaven? And I said, nobody goes into heaven as a group. We all go through a turnstile one by one, and it's based on our relationship to God through Jesus Christ. The only people who enter into heaven are forgiven people, and only Jesus can provide that forgiveness. And, you know, uh, people say, well, pastor, if you're saying that, then think about the billions of people in the world who aren't Christians. How could so many people be wrong? And yet, in the Sermon on the Mount, he points to that fact. He said, many are those who are on the broad way that lead to destruction, but few are on the narrow way that leads to heaven. And that's why the most important words of Jesus you can ever apply to your life are the ones he uttered in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Amen and amen from Dr. Robert Jeffress. The brand new book is called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Jeffress, thank you for your time, for your insights today, and for being with us here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. Always good to be with you. Thanks. Well, great to have this conversation today with Dr. Robert Jeffress today here on the Bottom Line Show. And I love the title. If you like TED Talks as much as most of us do, you're going to love this book. It's called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. It's his reading of the Sermon on the Mount. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a copy of the book to give away right now. Teresa standing by, along with Crystal, to take your calls at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break, and when we continue, some final thoughts on the Sermon on the Mount and also putting things into practice in our everyday life uh, using this kind of TED Talk approach. Let's discuss that on the other side as the bottom line continues. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash She knows the other side. 
My thanks again to Dr. Robert Jeffress from Pathway to Victory, First Baptist Church in Dallas, and author of the brand new book uh, that we have a link for up at thebottomlineshow.com called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. We're giving away a copy right now at 800-227-5278, That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I have to admit, I didn't realize, I mean, I've never really done it with a stopwatch before. If you pull out your copy of God's Word and read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, um, a lot of people read the Beatitudes and stop there. But you can read all three chapters in about 18 minutes. I, I mentioned during the conversation uh, with Dr. Jeffress that uh, my parents used to attend a church in San Diego uh, where the pastor, senior pastor every year, either for the Sunday right before New Year's Eve or the Sunday right after New Year's Day always started the year by literally reciting the Sermon on the Mount from memory. And you know, we think about the Beatitudes part of this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful, the pure in heart. Um, peacemakers and those who are persecuted. I think there are those... I mean, you can apply that to just about every situation in life, but especially the situation of those who are facing a pregnancy... And, or maybe have made the decision to abort a child. And oftentimes you'll find that uh, someone, a woman in a situation like that winds up bearing the brunt of the weight of all sorts of you know, scrutiny from people, you know, negative, even from the church. And I love the work of preborn because they do two things. They help you know, with the ultrasound first and help mom meet baby with the ultrasound. But then secondly, too, there's an evangelistic component with preborn that your donations go to help and support. And that's why I've loved this week how we've been doing our push for raising enough for um, ultrasound technology and, and the things that that nature. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have an opportunity to stand with women who are facing questions about their pregnancy. And, you know, in the same way that Jesus said, look, the poor in spirit have the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are meek will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Those who are merciful will be shown mercy. The pure in heart will see God. Peacemakers will be called children of God. The persecuted and who are persecuted because of righteousness. We think of the people who are working in the sanctity of life, you know, pro-life community who are persecuted for their faith. The great thing about preborn, though, is when you make a donation, not only is there an ultrasound that's waiting to save the life of a child, but also the number of women who come to faith in Christ. I mean, over 60,000 babies saved last year, over 8,000 decisions. Christ. So you're actually funding a ministry too. So as you're calling in to uh, uh, get your copy of Dr. Robert Jeffress's book, uh, 18 Minutes with the Savior, uh, which we have a link for at thebottomlineshow.com, call 800-227-5278. And Teresa and Crystal not only will get your name in the drawing for that, but they can also walk you through the process of how to uh, make a contribution to support preborn. $28 saves one baby, $140 saves five, 280 saves 10. We had a donation a couple days ago of 2800 to save 100 babies, and Dennis Wilson's match is still in there. $7,500 match. Once we get another $7,500 raised, we will be able to place another ultrasound machine in another pregnancy resource center. So thank you for considering a gift to Preborn. Hey, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, the World Series starts tomorrow. Maybe that's interesting to you. Maybe it's not. On the other side of this break, Kevin Keating is going to join me once again. This is a guy who started collecting uh, signatures, autographs from uh, baseball players back when he was a kid. He's now one of the world's foremost authorities on authenticating autographs. He's got a brand new book out called Waiting for a Sign that talks about the connection between faith and baseball. We're going to talk with Kevin about that on the other side of this break. The bottom line continues. 
Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Well, baseball season is here. It's upon us. I mean, obviously, and I talk about baseball season, it's the World Series. But this is also when the NFL season's going, NHL. I mean, there's so many NBAs happening. And it's really incredible when you see sports played out the way it, I think it meant to be played out. Uh, but today on the Bottom Line Show, we're going to take a look at the baseball world from a slightly different perspective. We're going to take a look at it from the perspective of the fans who like to collect memorabilia and in particular autographs. Kevin Keating is with me once again. You might remember Kevin was on the Bottom Line Show a couple of years ago uh, talking about a book he had written called Waiting for a Sign. Uh, Kevin is a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point and also the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Um, he served in the U.S. Army as an infantry officer, became a captain, but he's a lifetime autograph collector. And he is now the principal autograph authenticator for Professional Sports Authenticators, PSA, which is a subsidiary of Collectors Universe. And uh, he's written a second edition of his Waiting for a Sign series. This is Waiting for a Sign Volume 2, highlights and inside stories for a lifetime of collecting baseball autographs. We've got a link for all that and the Waiting for a Sign book com up at the bottom line show.com a lengthy introduction but now let's get to the conversation kevin keating welcome back to the bottom line show thanks roger it's great to be here thanks for having me you're looking well you're doing well i know you and i have been uh, communicating about our COVID experiences and it's nice to see you and get a chance to get a little video this time even though we're zooming back and forth when you wrote waiting for a sign the first time you published it yeah i remember you telling me we're going to have a second book because there's just so many stories how has your life been impacted has it changed for the better since the first edition of waiting for a sign came out oh great question um you know after waiting for a sign volume one came out suddenly on facebook i was reconnected with all kinds of people that i hadn't heard from since high school and and back in the day when i first started collecting autographs because word got out i put the book out Uh and you know, the, the the first story that I really tell is is the day in eighth grade that I was ditching school to get autographs in the New York Mets. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, Bob Green, who was a, a famous columnist for the Sun-Times, had noticed me outside of his window, which you know, he, his office was across the street. So to make a long story short, his curiosity got the best of him. He came outside, he introduced himself, started asking me questions like, what are you doing here, kid? Don't you have school today? And when I told him that I was ditching school with my parents' permission, he pulled out a pen and paper and said, "You mind if I write my column on you in the paper tomorrow?" Hmm. And I said, "Sure. Why? You know, why not?" And uh, needless to say, I, I didn't realize the implications of all that until the next morning when, um, you know, I was called into the vice principal's office, Dale Zangie, <laughs> and uh, he had the paper spread out to page fourteen. 
And anyway, uh, he had also he also had the note from my mom sitting next to the paper. And when I got into the office and I saw all that, and he, and his first question was, "Where were you yesterday, Kevin?" I, I knew that you know I really had to come clean. So I told him I was in Chicago getting autographs the New York Mets. And then he started yelling at me. He proceeded to read me the riot act, tell me that he'd gotten a call from the principal or the the uh, superintendent of the school district, who suggested that I should be suspended. But as long as he that I promised him I'd never do it again while I was still at Algonquin Middle School, um, he was going to give me a pass essentially. Oh. So of course that was a promise I readily made. I only had three weeks left of eighth grade. I was moving on to high school, so it wasn't a difficult promise to keep. And uh, as I was getting out of his office as quickly as possible, a different voice came out of him uh, before I could get exit the door. He said, Kevin. And I said, uh, yes, sir. And he said, by the way, did you get Yogi Berra's autograph? Mm. And Berra was managing the Mets. And I said, yes, sir. I got him three times. And he said, you know, Yogi was my favorite catcher when he caught, <laughs> you know, when he was catching for the Yankees. And so, I hear this one coming. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. You know, he was letting me know that, hey, I had to punish you because what you did, I, I can't tolerate in my position. However, I want you to know I understand. You know, it was kind of like it was really a seminal moment for me because yeah. up until that time, I was doing something that was very odd at the time. Right. Like nobody was doing what I was doing. Right. By the time I got out of high school, I had over 10,000 autographs of baseball hmm. players that I'd gotten through the mail at Wrigley Field or standing in front of the hotel in Chicago where the team stayed. And until that moment when Bob Green kind of legitimatized what I was doing, he made me newsworthy. Um, you know, I'm not sure I would have continued because, I mean, I was, I was at an adolescent stage of adolescence. I, I My friends kind of thought I was weird for doing what I did. And that, that whole episode kind of legit, legitimatized what I was doing, at least in my own mind. And from that point on, I proceeded without caution. But to get back to the question you asked me, so how did it change my life? Well, I'm in touch with Mr. Zangi. Um, he's 80-something years old, and we've become wow. good friends. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I mean, and not only that, but when that happened, for you know at least a year, people would come to me with a, with a copy of the newspaper and ask me to autograph it. Mm -hmm. And again, Ironically. getting back to your question, I was contacted by a woman named Laura Zerbel Brzezinski, and Laura Zerbel was a friend of mine in high school. I haven't been in touch with her since high school. And she contacts me through Facebook and she says, hey, I read the book. I have something for you. Where can I mail it? And she mailed me the co the original copy of the paper that I had autographed to her back in 1973. Oh, my. Yeah. So oh. that's my copy. Now I have it framed up on the wall. So, you know, little things like that. Like really, really have, have you know impacted my life in a very positive way. I'm talking with Kevin Keating today here on the bottom line. Kevin is one of the foremost uh, pro sports authenticators of autographs. He's also worked outside that too with political figures and whatnot. Uh, his latest book, Waiting for a Sign, Volume Two, highlights and inside stories from a lifetime of collected baseball autographs. is linked up at thebottomlineshow.com as well as a link for the website Waiting for a Sign Book. Dot com where you can order that's the place where you can get the hardcover edition of this book um you've got a forward in here i have to ask you this i know I, we could go deep and long for hours about every one of the uh, profiles you have in this book uh, volume two 
But you have the forward by Paul Bird, and as a lifelong, long-suffering Angels fan who knew that Paul Bird was the key to us possibly getting to the World Series in 2005. Uh, talk about your friendship with him, his autograph. How did you guys connect? Oh, man, Paul Bird is like the greatest human being of all time. You know, he wrote a book, Free Bird, which is a story about him as a, you know, a born-again Christian mm -hmm. professional athlete and the different challenges that they faced. But I met Paul when he was a rookie um, pitching for the Mets in 1996, I believe it was. And I met him through my good friend, Jerry DePoto, who was his teammate. And Bertie and I just became close friends. And we've, we've you know, our friendship has stayed strong throughout the years. When Paul pitched, uh, he pitched in the playoffs against the Yankees, um, one game against Randy Johnson. And he called me up and he said, hey, you know, would you like to go to the game? I'd, I'd like you to sit with my dad. Um, and so, he, you know, he, he laid on tickets and I flew from Indiana. I was in Indiana at the time, flew to Yankee Stadium and watched him pitch. And the game got called because of rain, rain at like, uh, I think the sixth inning. Mm. But, um, yeah, I've had a lot of really wonderful experiences with Paul. And um, in fact, Paul helped me get my agent for the book. You know, when I was ready to get nice. it published, he said, uh, let me know and I'll put you in touch with my my agent. And And that's what happened. And then his agent put me in touch with. Um, Greg, you know, who became, you know, my agent, Greg Johnson. Right. And yeah. So, I mean, Paul's done so many wonderful things for me over the years and my family. And he's, you know, he's Uncle Paul to the kids. Um, he's stayed with us when he's been in town. And, you know, there's a chapter about him in the book in volume two. And it's really a wonderful chapter. Um, we had gone to the Indians were in town to play the Nationals. And uh, we went to uh, to Walter Reed. Uh, medical, you know, medical facility to visit wounded soldiers. And what mm. happened that day um, was really extraordinary. And it actually made national news that night. I won't give the whole chapter away, but um, but yeah, it was really a, a, just a really incredibly moving and very profound experience what happened that day and then what played out that night because um, we, we visited a number of soldiers with, with varying degrees of injury. You know, one soldier had lost like a leg and an arm and part of a hand. And, you know, it was everything from that to another one was in just in a coma. And we really were only able to visit his family who was there with them. But then the last guy that we saw, he'd been shot in the temple. Hmm. And, and at the same time, this guy had all of his wits about him. And we were in the room. It was me, Eric Wedge, Paul Bird, um, uh, Martinez, Victor Martinez, CC Sabathia yeah, and uh, and the third baseman, um, Casey Blake. Mm -hmm. And so we're all in the room and this soldier happened to be from Ohio. So he was a huge Indians fan. And for him to have these guys in the room visiting him, he was beside himself. I mean, he really was. And one of them went to, to, to shake his hand and uh, and he said, uh, and he said, man, you know, it's such a pleasure to meet you. And, and, the, and the soldier replied, it was a Marine, actually. And he said, you know, uh, you're going to win tonight because you're shaking hands with the luckiest, luckiest man on the face of the earth. Basically, wow. played Lou Gehrig's, you know, Lou Gehrig's sure. message. Sure. And that night, the Indians were down three to one going into the bottom of the ninth. And um, Victor Martinez at a home run. Casey Blake made the final out. Paul Bird pitched you know, six inning in the game, like all of them who were in the room, except for Sabathia, who didn't play that night, they all had some major role 
and the Indians come from behind victory. And, and it was like this guy willed, willed the victory to the Indians. It was really extraordinary. I mean, I go into much greater detail, you know, about it, actually how it played out. But it was really amazing. And Paul and I have talked about that many, many times. Mm. Kevin Keating is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Can you tell I'm eating up these stories? And I hope you are, too. His brand new book is called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2. We'll have a link for Volume 2 and Volume 1 up at thebottomlineshow.com. Highlights and inside stories from a lifetime of collecting baseball autographs. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Kevin Keating is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2. Highlights and inside stories from a lifetime of collecting baseball autographs. You have a chapter on George Brett. And I, of course, you probably get asked this question a lot, Kevin Keating, but I'll ask you anyway. Did you send him a rag with pine tar on it? Or do I, what, what did you send George looking for in, in terms of getting his autograph? Were you on one-to-one basis by then? Or were you still kind of doing the, uh, I'm going to send you something and see if you'll sign it and send it back? You know, um, you know, I really got to meet George through Chuck Connors. And there's a there's a chapter a in chapter there. on him, too. Yeah. yeah, there's a chapter in there about Chuck Connors, who was like a second father to me. Mm. And... And uh, I was in Chuck's room in Kansas City. We had just done a, sh- a signing that day. And I was in Chuck's room and we had ordered room service. We were eating dinner and the phone rang and we were going to go to the game the next day to the Royals game. And this was, I think, 1991, as I recall. And um, the phone rings and Chuck Chuck was grabbing a bite of a burger or something. He said, would you mind getting that, Kev? I said, sure. So I answered the phone. And I'm like, hello? And, I, and the other voice goes, uh, Hey, Chuck, Chuckaroo, Chuckarooney, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, it's not Chuck. This is Kevin Keating. Who's this? And he just goes, it's George Brett. Who the hell is Kevin Keating? <laughs> and I was like, oh, excuse uh, me, George. Hold on a second. Chuck's right here. I mean, he wasn't uh, expecting to hear anybody except Chuck, right? So he thought he had the wrong room. Uh, but anyway, the next day we had all, you know, we had uh, what is it, all access passes at the game that George had left us. Yeah. And we didn't need any passes as this turned out because everywhere we went, Chuck Connors was very recognizable. Six sure. foot six. Everybody who saw Chuck walk in, like it was, no one was going to. They stop saw the rifleman. They said, "Let's get this guy seats. Give him good seats." Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it was wonderful. That was the first time I was in a major league clubhouse before a game, and uh, and I got to know George that day through Chuck, and and you know George and I met up many many times after that. Eventually became good friends. Um, I kind of lost touch with George at this particular time. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but for many years we were, we were in constant contact. Great guy. And about the pine tar, I asked him, of course I asked him about the pine tar. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. And my question to him was, was this though? I I always wondered why the heck did he get pine tar all the way up there? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. why would you get pine tar up there? You don't need it up there. You only need it down here. And I asked him, I said, how did it get up there? Like, why did you apply it up there? He goes, I didn't apply it up there. He said, it's a resin. He said, so I just used a lot of it. And eventually, you know, it would all, it all gets stuck together. And then as you're squeezing it, it migrates up the back. Mm, and he okay. said, so it eventually migrated that far. And he goes, I wasn't paying attention to it. Sure. So, you know, but I thought that was fascinating because that was something I had always wondered. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Keating's new book, Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2, highlights and inside stories from a lifetime of collecting baseball autographs. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Buck O'Neill. Talk, talk about this one, because this one, uh, this was moving. I mean, what he said, but also who he is and what he represents. How did you meet Buck O'Neill? 
Well, I met Buck a bunch of different times. And um, one time I had dinner with him. Uh, I was with uh, my wife, who I, I was just dating at the time, you know, but now my wife. And we had dinner with Buck. And, you know, every time I saw Buck, whatever the circumstances were, he was so engaging, so warm, so kind. He was just like he appeared on um, on Ken Burns's baseball, mm -hmm. which actually gave him, you know, a national presence. Um, and he so well represented the Negro Leagues and and so many of those greats who had predeceased him, right? And you know, the 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 chapter really goes to the last time that I saw Buck, which was a few months before he died. And in 2000, well, it was early 2000s, the Baseball Hall of Fame decided to alter how they were doing the Veterans Committee and how they were considering Negro Leaguers for induction to the Hall of Fame. And again, to make a long story short, in 06, they decided to vote for the final time on the Negro Leagues. Now, that that since was changed recently, but I'll get to that in a second. So in 06, um, they, they used a whole new set of standards and they ended up voting on 37 finalists. And they did individual votes and you needed 75% of the votes. I think there were 16 voters. And so the story goes, Buck got 11 votes right. and 11 votes. Uh, he was one vote short of getting inducted. And they put 17 of the 36 into the Hall of Fame. All 17 Negro Leaguers um, were deceased at that time. And the president of the Hall of Fame, Dale Petrosky, called up Buck O'Neill and said, Buck, I know this is tough. You know, you didn't get in yourself but no one can represent the voices of the 17 better than you. Would you mind giving a speech hmm. to welcome the 17 into the hall of fame? You will yeah. be their representative. And that's what he did. And the day that he gave that speech, which was a beautiful speech. And I put it in the book in the chapter, you know, verbatim. Uh, I, I actually went into the, I was staying at the Otisaga as a guest of the hall of fame. Uh, that's the hotel that all the hall of famers stay at. And Buck, of course, was a guest there, too. And I walked into the lobby the morning of the speech as, as the people were getting ready to go out to uh, the induction ceremony. And Buck was sitting by himself. And I went up to him and I said, hey, Buck, how are you doing today? And I tapped him on the knee and he turned to me and he said, I'm a bit tired. And, uh, you know, he, he had this wistful look in his eye. He wasn't the normal effusive Buck O'Neill that I'd always known with that big smile. Mm -hmm. And we chatted a little bit, nothing in particular. Um, and then he went out, you know, he, we both went out and I sat in the audience. Of course, he was up on the stage. He gave that beautiful speech. And you wouldn't have known for a second, you know, that he was sad that he wasn't part of the inductees that day because right. he gave such a wonderful speech on behalf of those who got in. And three months later, he was gone. You know, mm -hmm. he passed away in October. And of course, they revamped the rules again recently and buck o'neill was just inducted right. you know uh this in the last year which is wonderful unfortunately he wasn't here to see it yeah and such a great quote you know from him with regarding to you you don't love people because you like them but because god loves them you yes know, I mean, to, to share right. that I mean, coming from his testimony that's just so powerful and uh and that's just a sam a smattering Ke uh kevin keating our time's gone by much too quickly we have to do this again maybe after the world series uh 60 seconds i know we talked about this before we started this conversation on air but uh phillies astros where are you where where are your thoughts right now i'd love to, to see the uh, the phillies take it you know they're they're a team of destiny they're gritty if anybody can knock off the astros it's them if I have to bet money, I got to put it on the Astros because they're just so deep and they're yeah. just such a great team. They play like champions. They proved it in the playoffs. 
They outdistanced the Mariners in some really tough-fought games. You know, the one-to-nothing 18-inning game. They yeah. were down six to two in game one. They came back one seven to six. And then, of course, you know, they they rolled past the the Bronx Bombers. Yeah. Um, they're just a really a great team right now. And they're going to be tough to beat no matter how good the Phillies are. But, you know, it's the World Series. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. I know you and you were pulling for your buddy Jerry Depoto, but you know, we'll we'll have to see. The Mariners are going to be back, that's for sure. I have yeah. I have no doubt he's done a great job with that organization as well kevin yeah. keating waiting for a signed volume two highlights and inside stories from a lifetime of collecting baseball autographs we got a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com it's waiting for a signed book.com that's where you can buy the hardcover edition of this book so don't go to your traditional you know amazon or whatever places because right now the best place to get it is waiting for a signed book.com uh, kevin always a pleasure we're going to do this again soon i promise but thanks for being with us today here on the bottom line for now. thanks roger it's great to see you take care Boy, Kevin and I could talk for hours, and I'm so grateful that we get a chance every couple of years or so to kind of reconnect and talk about um, the work that he does. The brand-new book by Kevin Keating, Waiting for a Sign 2, is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a couple of copies of this book to give away right now. With the World Series, actually, you know, I got kind of thrown off. I'll give you the number, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I got thrown off this year because typically the World Series starts midweek, and this year the World Series, because of the fact that there were, um, uh, there were well, <laughs> the series were very short. Uh, the series were done by this past Sunday, but game one is tomorrow night. So um, if you're a baseball fan, and, and I encourage you to check out this book because there are, as Kevin mentioned, not all of the athletes that are profiled in Waiting for a Sign 2 are Christians, but there are so many who are. And um, I think that there's something about, I don't know what it is in the body of Christ, why we love baseball and our faith so much. But um, the story, especially Paul Bird talking about his faith, um, the uh, uh, the quote from Buck O'Neill, uh, just to name a few, and talking about, you know, the love of God and love of, you know, man. It's just, it's it's very, very uh, exciting. Um, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, we've got a copy, a couple of copies, actually, of Kevin Keating's brand new book, Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2, Highlights and Inside Stories from a Lifetime of Collecting Baseball Autographs. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Don't overpay on interest and fees by going with the wrong lender. Newport Bay Mortgage won't charge you points on your reverse mortgage wherever it is possible for them to do so. You will have peace of mind with the possibility of having additional cash to draw from to pay for unexpected expenses. Owner Cliff and his team do what they can to maximize the amount of cash available to you while minimizing the cost of closing. The result of having another stream of income relieves stress that you didn't even know was there. You'll save thousands by working with Newport Bay Mortgage because they avoid charging you points and they will never tack on unnecessary fees. When considering ways to relieve financial stress in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. Contact Cliff today. Call 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080, NMLS 332-559. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. My thanks again to Kevin Keating. Always great to catch up with the world's foremost authority on autograph authentication. 
Um, this brand new book is called Waiting for a Sign, Volume 2, Highlights and Inside Stories from a Lifetime of Collecting Baseball Autographs. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I shared my interactions with Don Sutton, who's profiled in this book. Uh, Roberto Clemente is profiled in this book. And if you really want to go back, Casey Stengel is in this book. Um, uh, Buck O'Neill from the uh, Negro League is in here as well. Um, the, the Negro Brothers. And, of course, uh, the conversation we had about Paul Byrd uh, who was maybe not as well-known in the uh, regions where we are broadcasting the Bottom Line show. He did have a, a good one-year run with the Angels back in 2005, but uh, Paul, a great man of faith and a good friend of Kevin's, is featured prominently in this book, too. So if you love the Lord, if you love baseball, with the World Series coming up tomorrow night, uh, Game 1, uh, Astros versus Phillies, uh, you, you want to read Waiting for a Sign 2 by Kevin Keating. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, there's something about this game that makes it so appealing for so many people. I, I like the fact, quite frankly, um, that somebody did, a, I think it was a comedian. It might have, might have even been like George Carlin who was talking about, you know, how winsome and wonderful baseball is, you know, because in football you get to the end zone and you spike the ball for a touchdown. And in baseball, you're going home, you know. One of the things I love about baseball, though, and not just because I'm a baseball nerd, but I do think there's a lot of spiritual significance because of the fact, first and foremost, that, for example, it's the only sport where the defense has the ball first and the offense can't score until the defense does something. You know, whereas in other sports, it's the offensive team that can, I mean, like in football, either team could score, but yeah, the offense controls the play. The defense actually controls the play, first and foremost. Secondly, it's the only game in the team sporting world where the field itself has the same basic dimensions in terms of how far the pitcher's mound is from home plate and how far all the bases are apart. But when it comes to the dimensions of the ballpark, I've been to about 10 now, uh, myself, all the ballpark dimensions are different. There are no two baseball stadiums that are exactly alike. And that does create uh, some rather interesting challenges. You know, if you're playing one way and you realize that uh, you're used to the, uh, the foul lines being a certain length or whatever it is, then that's what you have to deal with. But I think the thing that I love about baseball more than anything else is even though they have instituted a clock for in between innings and a clock for in between pitches and things like that for the actual game time, the game is not over until the final out is recorded. And that is a reminder for us in the body of Christ to make sure that we play hard. Joe Madden had a deal when he was with the Cubs, something about run out every grounder, you know, every pitch counts, every pitch matters. And in this world where we kind of just want to jump to the conclusion and go through the cliff notes and find the cheats and whatever, every second that God gives you breath, every heartbeat that you have as you inspire, take in air and then expire, blow it out. Every time, as long as you can keep doing that, God still has a purpose for you in this life. So live that purpose each and every day for his glory. That is the good news of the gospel and that is the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, a Rogerless edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, Bob, John, and Neil talking about the elections, Halloween, and much, much more. It's all coming up next as the bottom line continues.